As we turn in our copies of God's Word, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word from Acts chapter 7. We come once more to this portion of Holy Scripture. Again, the words which I would like to draw your attention to come to us from Acts chapter 7, beginning at verse 17. Hear the word of the Lord. For the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt, till another king arose who did not know Joseph. This man dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies so that they might not live. At this time, Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God, and he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Now when he was forty years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel, and seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand. But they did not understand. And the next day he appeared to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brethren. Why do you wrong one another? But he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? Then at this saying, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. And when forty years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight, and as he drew near to observe, the voice of the Lord came to him, saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not look. Then the Lord said to him, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? Is the one God sent to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He brought them out after he had shown wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness forty years. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, as you've given to us your word this day, to God we pray once more through the power of the Holy Spirit that you will continue to teach us concerning your grace and your love. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. One of the kind of interesting factoids of English uh, literature is that next to the Bible, the most sold publication in the history of English is Pilgrim's Progress. 
Now, many of you, I'm sure, have read Pilgrim's Progress and know of its author, John Bunyan. Now, Bunyan wrote many of these type of books, you know, these allegories, uh, which have as their purpose to instruct people and to teach them in a way that they can understand the things of God. Now, you know, there's a reason why they've sold so many copies. They are, uh, they're easy to read. And one of the things that Bunyan does is that he is not very creative when it comes to naming the individuals in his stories. Now, if you came upon somebody and their name was Mr. Faces Both Ways, well, you don't need a, a long introductory uh, a cast of characters to know what Mr. Faces Both Ways means. And so what we see going on here in Acts chapter 7 is something similar. Now, Stephen is not kind of trying to be tricky about what he's doing. He is being very straightforward about what he thinks about the Jews and what they have done to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is putting them in these biblical stories hoping that if it's made clear to them what they have done and what they have not done, then maybe they will come to faith in Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things that we see in the midst of this story in verse 25 illustrates this point very clearly. Verse 25, it says, Therefore he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. Now, Again, Stephen here is kind of taking the two by four of the Holy Spirit and bonking them upside the head. Saying, do you not get it yet that you have not understood what's going on here? That the Lord our God has sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, just as He sent Moses... To deliver the people out of bondage. Of course, what was the problem with the uh, people in the day of Moses? That they did not understand that God would deliver them by His hand. And whenever we see these stories in the Old Testament, how are the people always delivered? They're always delivered by the hand of God. They're always brought forth out of bondage by the hand of God. And how were things supposed to be when the Messiah came? Well, God was going to come and deliver the people by His hand. And Stephen, as he's laying this on thicker and thicker and thicker is saying something interesting about those who are hearing His words. What do we see happen in Acts chapter 7? Well, what we have seen happen to the Jews when Jesus told them these exact things. Their hearts continued to harden. Their hearts continued to ignore the clarity of speech. 
And what was the problem with uh, the Jews? Remember, it was the same problem that had taken place in the days of Moses. You know, at the beginning of uh, this portion of Acts chapter 7, what does uh, Stephen open with? He says there in verse 17, But when the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt, till another king arose who did not know Joseph. Now again, the point that Stephen is making here is being laid on, again, with that kind of, uh, that kind of clarity that Bunyan gave with Mr. Faces both ways. What had taken place in the days of, St- of Stephen? The people had forgotten what God had prophesied, what God had promised, and what God had said concerning the Anointed One, the Messiah of God. They had forgotten the promise that God had made to their father Abraham, and ultimately here in this portion through Moses. You know, it's interesting if you go back and you read, for instance, Deuteronomy... Deuteronomy is full of these forward-focusing promises to the people concerning the Messiah. One of the things we talked about at the beginning of Acts chapter 6 in the establishment of deacons was that there was nothing new about deacons. That in the Old Testament we had deacons, just as in the Old Testament we had elders, and in the Old Testament we had ministers. Now, obviously, they went by different names in the Old Testament, but the office was the same. Well, likewise, what we see here in this portion of God's Word is that God is acting and working in the same way He always has. It's one of the beauties of the God in whom we serve. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there's nothing new about what Stephen is doing here. Again, if these people had only paid attention when uh, the books of the Old Testament were read in the synagogue, then they would not have been surprised by what has taken place. But in fact, all we see is over and over again that they do not understand these things. And what's one of the things that's in common whenever we come to a point where we see that these people don't understand things? It's because they have put the traditions of men, the traditions of the fathers, in front of the clear teaching of Holy Scripture. You know, whenever the Pharisees had a question about what to do, did they go back to the Old Testament prophets? No. They went back to what the fathers had written down and how the fathers had organized things. You know, that's one of the things that's important to know as kind of an aside here about modern Judaism. Modern Judaism is the religion of the Pharisees. It's the religion of the Mishnah and the Midrash and the Babylonian Talmud. It's not the religion of the Old Testament. You know, this, this pattern has continued unto the present day. And that's one of the things that Stephen is attempting to do here is to clear away all of the chat, clear away all of the, uh, of the teachings of the fathers, all the teachings of the Pharisees, all the teachings of the Sadducees, and get right back to the Word of God. What has God said concerning these truths? 
Not what has uh, Gamaliel said, not what has these other men said, but what has God revealed to His people. God has revealed to His people in the life of Moses, in the life of Abraham, in the life of your true fathers in the desert, that God will deliver you by His hand. When we think about the Gospel, that's exactly what we mean. That God has delivered us. That through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the second person of the Holy Trinity, we have been delivered from death. We have been brought out of darkness and into the light of His truth. You know, that's one of the things that we, we talked about in the uh, senior high uh, Bible uh, school this morning was is how the Old Testament testifies to his events and how Jesus used the Old Testament. You remember at the end of Luke 24, Jesus there, as he meets the two men on the way uh, to the road of Emmaus, what does he tell them? He opens the Scriptures and tells them about how all of these things were to come to pass. And later, when He appears to the apostles in the upper room, what does He do? He goes back to the Old Testament. He goes back to the books of Moses, to the words of the prophets, and to the Psalms. And He walks them through the Bible and shows them how all of these things had to come to pass. All of these things had to be fulfilled exactly as they had spoken. And we see that Stephen is doing likewise the same thing here as he approaches them with the story of the burning bush. Because again, it wasn't a controversial statement in first century Judaism to say that the angel of the Lord was God speaking. Now obviously when we read this, we believe that this is one of these events in the Old Testament where Jesus has come into history, right? The pre-incarnate Christ has come into history and is speaking to Moses. The angel of the Lord has come to Moses and what does he say? He says, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not look. And the Lord said to him, take your sandals off your feet. Again, notice what has been done here. Again, Stephen here is being very clear about what's happening Again, notice, who appears to him? The Lord appears to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. He goes from the angel of the Lord to the Lord appearing, then to, I am the God of your fathers. And in verse 33, then the Lord said to him. You know, this is a fascinating thing that, that Stephen is doing here. Again, he is applying these words and showing the Jews how Jesus was a part of and in charge of the application of the promise of God to Moses and to them. He is making a statement here about the divinity of Jesus Christ and about how Jesus had been involved in delivering the people out of bondage in Egypt. Again, Stephen here has a very particular purpose in opening these things. Again, he is wanting the Jews to understand what they have missed. 
And again, he's very direct about going back to the very words of Jesus to make this clear. And it's one of the things that we can learn from how the apostles and how men like Stephen use the Word of God. Again, they understand the entirety of the Old Testament to be the revelation of Jesus Christ to His people. And so when we go back and we read these events, what do we read them as? We read them as Christian Scripture. We read them as the testimony of how God has worked through history to provide for the blessings of His people. And that all of these things uh, were ordained by God for the bringing of God's people out of the bondage of sin and into the free grace of His glorious Son. Now, the Jews, of course, are still not getting these things. They're still not understanding these things. But should it be surprising to us that the Jews are not getting these things? Because how are these things discerned? How does the Bible tell us how these things are discerned? Well, these things are discerned through the inward work of the Holy Spirit. Right? When we think about the opening of the hearts of men, the opening of the eyes of men, what do we mean by that? We mean that our eyes, which are once darkened to the truth, have never been made able to see these things. And how are we made able to see these things? But by through the preaching of the Word of God. Again, that's what Paul teaches us in Romans chapter 10. Again, how do men and women come to faith? Through the proclamation of God's Word. And it's not the actual physical act of talking that brings people into the kingdom of God. But it is the working of the Holy Spirit through the preaching of the Word that brings men and women into conviction of sin and into the knowledge of Christ. Now, Stephen here is under no illusion as to what's getting ready to happen to him. Because again, Jesus had prophesied that this would be the case. That they would be brought in front of men. That they would be brought in front of councils. And what would happen? They would be beaten. They would be whipped. And they would be killed for their testimony of the truth. But again, remember something else about what Stephen has done in this illustration from Moses. Look there, verse 27. But he who did this to neighbor wrong, uh, did his neighbor wrong, pushed him away, saying, "Who made you a ruler and a judge over us?" Now again, talk about speaking without thinking and without and speaking without full knowledge. Well, who had made Moses a ruler and a judge over us? Well, again, the events of the burning bush haven't taken place yet. But what had God done from the very foundation of the world? He had ordained Moses to be the ruler and judge over Israel. And where was Moses going to get the words by which to rule and judge? Well, Moses was going to receive these things from the very mouth of God Himself. That's one of the things we see Moses do throughout his earthly life, is that he is careful except when he isn't, to obey the Word of God as it's been revealed to him. Again, think about that for a moment. What happens when Moses decides to go off on his own and kind of lead according to his own understanding? We see that scene there as for the 
thousandth time the people of Israel are complaining to Moses. And Moses is kind of brought to the brink. Each one of us, I think, can identify with Moses, especially after your child has asked for something for the the 900th time and and you're you're tired of hearing them ask about it and not listening to you. And what do we see Moses do in that scene? He, he, He strikes the rock out of anger. And what does God say to him? Hey, you, you didn't ask for this, right? You, you, you acted impetuously. You obeyed the dictates of your own mind. And because of that, what happens to Moses? Moses is not allowed to go into the promised land because of his iniquity there at the rock. And that, that whole scene there is meant to teach us something about the nature of what Stephen is making clear here. That we have received the Word of God That we have been placed under the kingship of Jesus Christ. We have been placed under the rulership of Jesus Christ. And then what is it for us to do then? It's for us to obey the commands of our Savior. And what is the first command of Jesus Christ to sinners? What is the first command of Jesus Christ whenever He goes out and preaches? And He calls men to faith in Him. He calls men to believe in Him. In him. He calls men to turn from their wickedness, turn from their unbelief, turn from their sin, and rest in the Deliverer, the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Again, think again once more of that story of Moses. What do we see at the end of Moses' life? Moses in Deuteronomy 34 is taken up on the high mountain. And what is he given a vision of? What is he able to see? He's able to look and see the fullness of the promised land. Again, he's given a foretaste of the glory that awaits God's covenant people in this land that God had promised to Abraham. And in the midst of this, uh, of the, of this story that, that, that Stephen is proclaiming to uh, God's people here in Acts chapter 7, again, he makes it clear of the nature of God's providential blessing through Moses. Of the, of the story that Stephen wants the people and for us to understand. Is that even though God's people did not heed the command of Moses, even though they didn't didn't trust Him at this point, what did God do for His people throughout this entire period of the wilderness? You can notice there in in verse 36, "...and He brought them out after He had shown wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and the wilderness forty years." Again, God was with His people through all of these events. He watched over them and kept them and and, and provided for them uh, by His grace. It's one of the things we see from from New Testament preachers is that they never ever stop proclaiming the nature of God and they never stop proclaiming the message that they have been given. That in the Lord our God is not only this sovereign protection, but in the Lord our God is the forgiveness of sin. In the Lord our God is the fullness of His grace. In the Lord our God is the fullness of His covenant mercy. And that they will never cease proclaim this good news to the people, no matter how much they might ignore it or not understand it. Because remember, it's not up to Stephen for these men's hearts to be changed. Again, who, by whose power will, the, will these men's hearts be changed? It's through the same Deliverer that brought the people of God out of bondage to slavery to begin with. 
Because again, that's the problem that all men have. The problem that all men have is that they are dead in sin. The problem that all men have is that they are enslaved to the nature, the curse of Adam. And what has been done through Jesus Christ for all who place their faith and trust in Him. God has delivered them out of this darkness. He has given them not only the light of His truth, but has made them new creatures in Jesus Christ. He has given to them the blessings of His own life that they might be made partakers of the glory of God. And this is why, again, Stephen continues to preach so faithfully and so directly in this portion of Holy Scripture because his desire is that these men would come to know this glorious truth that he has come to know. When we think about our mission as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, why is it that we go out and proclaim the good news of Jesus? What's the same reason that Stephen does? Because he wants those who are nearest and dearest unto him to know the truth. He wants them to understand the peace and the comfort that comes through the cross at Calvary. He wants them to understand that this God who has set forward all things from the foundation of the world, again, has given this free gift of Jesus Christ, has given this free gift of Himself, that if they would turn from their trust in idols and the things that are passing away, and would see the beauty of this glorious second person of the Trinity, this glorious God incarnate, this God who has given of Himself, that they would know the peace that Stephen himself has. Because that's something we can see from the life of Stephen as he proclaims this truth. Again, Stephen was a man whom we're told in Acts chapter 6 was full of faith and power. And again, Stephen, we are told in Acts chapter 6, was one who came from the synagogue of the freedmen. When we talked about and introduced that portion, what did we learn about the synagogue of the freedmen? Again, Stephen was one who knew what it meant to be under bondage. He had been a slave to a master. And somebody had paid the, paid the price for his freedom. And Stephen is one who knows in the depths of his own heart what it means to be free from a taskmaster, freed from a a, a slaver, who knows what it means to have that freedom of his personal life. But Stephen knows even more deeply what it means to be freed from the power of sin. He knows what it means to be freed from that taskmaster who is never satisfied by the works of the flesh, who who, who continues to tell you more and more and more. You're not there yet. You need to do more. You need to do more. But what does the Gospel tell us? The Gospel tells us it is finished. The Gospel tells us it is completed in Jesus Christ. That Christ has fulfilled the broken covenant at Adam. That Jesus, by the righteousness of His life, has given to us the sufficient payment for our sin. That we are no longer those who are in debt, enslaved to sin. But we are those who have been made free through the life of Jesus Christ. 
We are now no longer the enemies of our God, but we are now members of the covenant family. We have been adopted into the family of God. We are no longer strangers to the land of promise. But we are those who are in the land of promise. We have that assurance of the reality of the heavenly places through the Word that has been spoken in this passage. Because again, see what it says there in verse 32, saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. This great I Am who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This same great I Am who has given to us the promise of His Son continues to bear with His people. Continues to watch over us and keep us because of who we are in Jesus Christ. Because our identity is no longer bound up in the old man, but is bound up in our glorious Deliverer, our Redeemer, Again, who has paid the price in His blood and in His life. And has been raised on the third day for our justification. He is the first fruits of God's eternal promises unto us. And so brothers and sisters, as we leave this place this day, and as we go out into a world that continues to deny the glorious reality of this truth, And as we speak to those who are in bondage to sin, those who are continuing to strive against the Lord God, again, let us speak to them not only with the boldness of Stephen, but let us speak to them with the love that Stephen has for sinners. Again, his intention here is not to grow the church. His intention here is to reach men and women with the Gospel of Jesus Christ. To show men and women the goodness that they can have through faith and the goodness that they can have through the One who has delivered His people. That by the hand of God, men are made well. Again, let us not be weary in in well-doing. But let us go forth in thanksgiving and peace and love of our glorious Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father,